Delirious is a portrait of one of the 80s biggest stars as he is skyrocketing. Eddie Murphy, the biggest movie star to come out of SNL, was cutting edge comedy and moreover, proved that talking about the black experience was just as appealing to mainstream audiences. And you might feel a little uncomfortable at one of your favorite comedians. <laughs> yeah, because this is 80s Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Delirious is Eddie Murphy's HBO comedy special that rocked the world. And mentions a lot of faggots. <laughs> it opens. It opens by talking about faggots. It's so homophobic. It is so cringeworthy. Before we get into that, I just want to say that me and my friend watching it were... I mean, like, like you know, those jokes weren't really that funny. But then, you know, he goes and says, you know, I don't have a problem with gay people. I don't. Ha- he at least he said that. <laughs> like, you know, at least he said that. Well, that's for like, back then. At least he said that. You know what I mean? I think. Okay, so to that end, I will say that racists tend. You know, racists. There's a lot of racists, who are, but I have a lot of black friends. You know, like they would say. But that's not me. Like, there, there is an excuse. Like, I'm going to be publicly acceptable while I, you know, incite uh, an offensive thing and, and get, you know. I, here's my opinion. Um, I think, on one hand, it's a time capsule. Mm-hmm. The fact that he gets such an uproarious laugh. From him saying, what, I mean, what's the line? He says, he says, you know, we have a couple of rules. Get some rules. I got some rules when I throw down. When I do my stand-up, I got rules and shit. Straight up. Faggots aren't allowed to look at my ass while I'm on stage. That's, that's why I keep moving while I'm up here. So if you don't know where the faggot section is, you got to keep moving. So if they do see it, it's quick, and you switch it. They don't get no long stare at your shit. He just gets such a big laugh from that. Yeah. I think because of that, like, it made the rest of the movie, like, super uncomfortable for me. I mean, like, like I don't know, the way he was using it made me feel uncomfortable, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But me and my friend were honestly waiting till the movie was over. Like, we were, like, like it got funny, like end halfway through and then I started chuckling but because of that opening scene I wasn't really into the rest of it (laughs) it's fascinating your older brother who's 25 um walked out I mean and he's just like these don't hold up and I was like yeah they don't hold up but the the what you have to know is that 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 special was considered so good. People watched it over and over again. They could quote it from start to finish. That lemonade, that cool, refreshing drink, and, you know, all of these moments that are in there. Ice cream! The ice cream man is coming! Like, these are things that people would just inject into everyday life and quote and say, and everyone knew what you were talking about. And if you did it today to a Gen Xer, they would know what you're talking about, because it was that popular. And I, this came out in 1983. I was 13 years old. Um, so I was in, I don't know, eighth grade, I think, or uh, let's see, seventh, eighth, what is 13? Um, so, and I, no, of course I have to tell you, this is nothing that my parents would ever allow me to put on, but of course I would see it at my friend's house all the time. (laughs) And I knew it back and forth and it's, and that's why I wanted you to watch this. So it's not an eighties movie per se, but it's about one of the biggest 80s movie stars. And there's so much that we can 
derive from this special, and this, but especially noting how huge it was and how 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 much people loved it. So, as far as the homophobia, I think that it shows you how Americans were feeling about the gay community and also how that opinion was in flux at that moment. He mentions AIDS, which is very hard to find people, you know, entertainment and film that talks about, that shows people talking about AIDS that's not like a news special, you know? Yeah. Um, or a very special episode of St. Elsewhere or something like that. Like, it's, it's hard to find, so. Ladies be hanging out with gay people. Ladies be saying, gay men are the best friends to have. Because <laughs> they don't want anything from you, you don't want anything from them, you can just hang out and you can be with them, it's fun, and you can talk to them and all that bullshit, and they be hanging out with them. You know what's real scary about that? That new AIDS shit. AIDS is scary because it kills motherfuckers, AIDS. That ain't like the good old days when venereal disease was simple. In the good old days, you get gonorrhea, your dick hurt, go get a shot, clear it right up. Then they came out with herpes, you keep that shit forever like luggage. And now they got AIDS, that just kills motherfuckers. I say, what's next? I guess you just put your dick in and explode. Maybe I should see a doctor about it. <laughs> Kills people. It petrifies me because girls be hanging out with them. And one night they can be in the club having fun with their gay friend and give them a little kiss and go home with their AIDS on their lips. <laughs> get home with their husband and like five years later, say, Mr. Johnson, you have AIDS. He goes, AIDS? But I'm not a homosexual. Sure, you're not a homosexual. The way that he talks about how uncomfortable he is with women being friends with gay guys because, you know, they're kissing them and he doesn't want to get any of that AIDS. <laughs> I mean, it's 1983. They didn't really know. And so at this point in time, you know, there is a, there is a disease. It is becoming an epidemic. At this point, it looks like it's limited to the gay community. They obviously haven't picked up on the fact that it's you know, can be shared by needles. Um, they don't really understand how people are getting it. And so it's this uh, concern that fuels this, um, you know, hostility and fear and finger pointing and stay away from me to the gay community. Yep. And so to see it just on display. So, and I mean, he's, Eddie Murphy is so confident. Like he's, he is, I mean, I'm just like, that is what, that is what it looks like to be on top of the world. He, I mean, he is on top of the world during this special. Yeah. He's still doing SNL. Um, he basically is credited with saving SNL because Lorne Michaels had left, and he was really the only cast member that, that really came out of that era. Um, and, uh, you know, and he had done Trading Places and 48 Hours. Hadn't done Beverly Hills Cop yet, and that we haven't watched that one yet. That's the one that makes him, now he's... That, that's the one where it's like, now he's gone forever. He's in the stratosphere. <laughs> You'll never catch up to him again. He's in, in rarefied air at that point. But here, he's still on his, on his way up. Um, but yeah, it's really gross. The homophobia is really gross. What, what other moments in there were, kind of, were shocking to you? 
Well, I don't know if it, I would say it was shocking, but the part where, you know, this family brought their two kids who are five and three. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he has the two kids there and he's like, oh, you're messed up. And I was like, yeah, who would bring it? But he acknowledges why they might have, right? Yeah. Because he had these SNL characters, which, again, you know, we all knew and uh, were maybe more family friendly. But still, I think you're responsible parenting. I yeah. mean, I mean, but th- like I said, that's not very shocking yeah. back then. Yeah, except, and then after that, he tells a, a joke using a curse word to the children. <laughs> um, so Plenty of curse words, well, not just one. <laughs> yeah, I did read somewhere that he says the F word 230 times. Um, well, he mentioned how he has how he has a long dick, I'm pretty sure, yeah, in that I'm sentence. Sure. Yeah, right, that one as well. I mean, I actually wondered, I don't have any way to measure this or know, but... You know, there has been a coarsening of the American language, um, and I don't know when that started, right? So if you think back, you know, your impression, your idea, but I think it's true of the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, I don't know that my parents, I don't think my parents grew up using curse words. I don't think that that was no, a part of it. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere in here, there starts to be a coarsening of the American language, and he even acknowledges that, right? That when I'm, you know, that, that, that he would went to this summer camp. Um, Eddie Murphy says he went to this summer camp and there, the white kids were cursing at their parents. And he was like, oh, what? <laughs> but I wondered if this special at all contributed to that because I don't think that even in movies, and we'll have to start watching this and paying attention. I think that there's definitely cursing in 80s movies, but to that extent, where it's almost every other word, I wondered if this isn't what made the F word become just an adjective at all times, you know, for anything that you wanted to say. It really is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, now you just use it like, oh, it's time to get out of bed. It's time to get out of effing bed, you know? (laughs) Or just, just, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, you just... It's just used all the time. And I really thought, could this special, which was so widely watched by teenagers and preteens, be the impetus to really change how we spoke? Probably. I I think it could be. I think it could be. Um, what did you think about Eddie Murphy admitting that he had experimented with, um, you know, hitting his girlfriend? Oh, yeah. Um, that was a little, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with that information. I know. It, what I noticed that he did, he did this twice, and he did it a little bit with the homophobic jokes, too. Um, where, he, where he would, like, kind of play it off in a little way. Yeah. Like, he, that would excuse it. Right. So what he's doing is he finds a way to make fun of something that is legitimizing it at the same time correcting it, but not really. I mean, and this is, this is again, like this is what you see, you, you know, the dog whistling or things that you see that are racist do, do this as well. Some, you know, I, I feel like we see in our modern world. But um, so, yeah, so he promotes yet advises against domestic abuse because he talks about how you do not hit a black woman. <laughs> But then shares that he knows this because he did it a few times, and that's how he arrived at the conclusion. Yeah. And it made me think about the um, one of the last podcasts we did, which was Purple Rain, and about how it's just jaw-dropping that Prince, 
even if it was his first film, and even if he didn't really yeah. understand that how people would see him as the character, uh, that why would you ever, ever put yourself in a position where people would see you hitting a woman, yeah. which is so taboo and so wrong? It's because... And I think this gets back to our Shining podcast. In the early 80s, the tide was just starting to turn where that was becoming unacceptable. But before that, there was... And he refers to that. Remember when you could hit your woman? <laughs> you know? Remember the good old days? Let's make America great again. I mean, you might as well have said that. When you can when you can hit your wife or your girlfriend and she just goes, oh. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's crazy how much that will change a perception of someone. Because Celeste, my my friend, can't even. Um, there's a certain Prince song she likes. I can't remember which one it is, but um, it's like red. Oh, little red Corvette. Yeah, little yeah. red Corvette. She's like, I can't listen to the song anymore. Oh. It's like she's like I like after seeing him in that movie, I just I don't want. I don't. <laughs> it's ruined it for yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't like. She can't play it anymore. Yeah, I. It's. It's fascinating. That's that is why that. I mean, that's why we do this podcast to look back at how the world has changed and to see, you know, a living example of what, you know, what used to be acceptable and how everyone reacted and everyone laughed and, um, it's really surprising. Um, by the way, on that note, I also wanted to point out that he he remember I can't remember how he gets into it, but. Eddie Murphy mentions Reagan, who was president at the time, mm-hmm. and the audience, the entire audience, reacts to hearing Reagan's name, right? Mm-hmm. They all are like, ah, oh, you know, I mean, you think they're going to start throwing things on the stage. Oh, shit, I'm in Washington, D.C. Shit. Jesus. Christ. This is where Reagan lived. Not far from here. Ron. Hey, Ron, they the ones born. I ain't say shit. I mean, I ain't... Huh? What sucks? Reaganomics sucks? Or tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. It ain't like people sitting around going, really, does it suck? I didn't know. That's some scary shit, Reaganomics, man. And I think that is so fascinating, too, to have captured that moment because Ronald Reagan is such a, you know, with history, and by the way, with revisionist history, people have looked at him as being this great leader. He was not, he was, I mean, he won, like, by a lot, and then he won re-election by a lot, but he, it wasn't until the end of his term that people started seeing him as, uh, a great leader. And so 1983, people were not enchanted by him at all, <laughs> you know? And so I thought that was really interesting too. Um, oh, and so I wanted to talk about too, when we were, um, was the, the Chinese, the, the Chinese, um, restaurant and the, and the way that he was acknowledging how people make fun of Chinese people. Yeah. I mean, with that, it was a certain, point of racist but i can't it kind of gave chinese people like kind of like a i felt like he was giving them an uplift right instead of a you know attack (laughs) well he's he's acknowledging that people do that yeah and in doing that he's making the joke that everyone else is making and gets a laugh from it yeah so he is making he is using 
racism to get a laugh, but then he does turn the tables by suggesting that they are getting their own revenge. Yeah. So, yeah, I was... See, Eddie Murphy's just really smart, and we all know that he's right. a smart and right. amazing comedian, but you, you just, like, watching this, you see how he, like, kind of makes an excuse for everything, mm-hmm. and he kind of, while making fun of it, also kind of uplifts it in a way, mm-hmm. but not, not, not like, too much, because he's still making fun of it, <laughs> so that you'll <laughs> laugh at him, but, yeah. like, it's weird how... And and I think we all know from Shrek, at least my generation, Shrek is our big Eddie Murphy movie. Right. I would say. Right. So it's not Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Well it wouldn't so. have been for your generation. Doctor Doolittle would have been nineties. Yeah, it would have been millennials, but still it's um no, no, for sure. I mean I think that's by the way, the way that Eddie Murphy turned and made his career um about kids, for a while at least, um, is something that a lot of people would make fun of because they weren't necessarily always the best films and they weren't necessarily hits. But I think there's something to that. But his you know? characters were always the best character. Yeah. Like, I mean, people make the Shrek memes all the time, but mm-hmm. you, you know when you watched that when you were six years old, Donkey was the one that was making you laugh your ass off. Oh, like, right, <laughs> right, right. More than Mike Myers, more than Shrek. Yeah, exactly. We're making waffles. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm. By the way, when I was saying that he has made movies that weren't good, I'm not including the Shrek movies because, well, maybe the last Shrek movie wasn't as good. But yes, Fat Albert. Um, they weren't all hits. I think <laughs> that was Keenan. Fat Albert was Keenan. Really? What was the? What was? And the... unless you mean the animated one, which time you're talking about Bill Cosby, which it could be a whole '80s episode right there. No, didn't Eddie Murphy have his own fat? It was he would play oh, the fat guy. Oh, he was. Um, so he was the Nutty Professor, and then he yeah. played... Yeah, Nutty Professor. Yeah, and then he did The Clumps, and he had other films. So what Eddie Murphy did in these his movies, of course, he liked to play multiple characters, mm-hmm. which I think is really fun. And um, Welcome to America. Mm-hmm. Coming to America. Kevin yes, yes. <laughs> that, uh, movie, that movie sucked. <laughs> um, he also makes fun of uh, fat people. I mean, I think Aunt Bunny was more about making fun of her mustache, yeah. but he also makes fun of how fat she is. Mm-hmm. And that's something we don't I was curious really about her age, because he said that she like had a six-year-old, mm-hmm. but then she had a mustache, and she was like old and wrinkly and like you know, kind of lost, falls down the stairs. Uh-huh. And, like, I'm, like, I'm trying to imagine how old she is because I'm assuming she's a huge mustache from menopause. Oh, yeah, true. I Well, it could be partially the idea that he's telling the story combined with now, his perspective now versus when you're a kid. When you're a kid and everyone is so big, everyone is a giant, and everything seems magnified, and that grandma or aunt or whatever who wants to kiss you on the, you know, and you're like, no. <laughs> I mean, that's part of what works. The ice cream man in particular is hilarious still. That's my... I don't think that was funny at all. Oh my I didn't gosh. laugh one time during that bit. That... It's, it is one of the all-time best comedy bits because he takes something that is so relatable to all of us. You know, we have all had that childhood experience of being excited to hear the ice cream man running after, you know, going and trying to get your mom to give you money before the ice cream man passes, trying to run after the ice cream man and get him to stop. How it feels like the ice cream man doesn't stop for a long time. Uh, you know, and just the joy of having the ice cream experience. Which, by the way, 
ice cream truck ice cream isn't the best ice cream, right? Like, no. it's it's not. But there's something about... It's a challenge. It is. It is. It's something about the whole, like, process of how you have to obtain the ice cream and the fact that you weren't expecting it. And it's, an un, and it's a surprise. And can you land the surprise? Can you get it when he comes by? And it just makes it, like, so much more delicious. It, it's funny that in this very explicit movie, the... <laughs> One, the biggest bit of all of them is when it's, like, the least inex- inexplicit. Right, right. When it's not dirty yeah. and it's not Racist. Just, just lots of cursing. I actually let your nine-year-old brother watch that one part because... And, and then you're like, like, get out. <laughs> get out. By the way, that's a, another part I love, right, is when he talks about how, uh, how all of these... Horror, mil- yeah. uh, horror movies have to have white characters because black characters will not tolerate that. No. <laughs> but somehow they always get killed first, which he failed to mention. I know. I'm not sure people had caught on to that by 1983. They might not have... Because we were... 1983 is part of the horror movie... Um, you know, expansion or, or when, when that genre was really taking off with Halloween and Friday the 13th. And so that was in the late seventies and early eighties, but people might not yet have figured it out. I don't, I feel like nobody realized it as a whole until, um, scary movie. Is it scary movie? I, that's is what that, I was the, the one with say. Drew Barrymore? Is yeah. that the one with the scream face? They're the ones who I think feel, I thought Drew Barrymore was an actor. No, scream, scream, scream. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Scream was before scary movie. So, yeah, that's where they like they 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 flag it, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that is a thing. How have I never noticed that before?" And so now it's a now it's a trope. Um, but actually, the movie Get Out, Jordan Peele said he wrote it based on that bit, right? Where he goes into the poltergeist house. Get out. Okay, we'll be leaving now. This <laughs> is so beautiful. We're leaving. Um, Sorry, can't stay. Yeah. Well, I, I did, any other thoughts that you wanted to share about that? Anything that struck you? No, my summary would probably just be, you know, that was Eddie Murphy in 1983. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy now is great. <laughs> Love him now. <laughs> Been loving him since 2002. <laughs> um, great comedian. Mm-hmm. All but respect. I know. I'm, I, Hopefully he's not homophobic anymore. I I, <laughs> I, I doubt know. it. No, but you know, I think it's fair to mention that while, I mean, the thing about Eddie Murphy is, and I, you can't say that he was the first black comedian to cross over mainstream, because Richard Pryor certainly did it. I mean, and, you know, you could go to Red Fox and you could go to some others, but, um, but, but, you know, he did it in such a big way, and I would say even a more commercial way than Richard Pryor. I would say that. I don't, I'm not sure that's accurate. Richard Pryor cursed maybe even more than Eddie Murphy. But, um, but I think what you have to say about Eddie Murphy is that he did so much for black um, comedi- yeah, communities, comedians, actors. And we talked about that with Coming to America, that what was, you know, that, that basically people were upset with him that he had this big contract deal with Paramount and he was not forcing them to hire more black people. And so then he made coming to America, which was a huge success. And many people consider, you know, the top 100 comedies of all time. And, but uh, I mean, there were eight, there's like eight different characters that they could have grabbed another black actor to use, but they just used Eddie instead. Again. In Coming to America? Yeah. Oh, well, because it's his film. He likes to do that, though. <laughs> he likes to... Fl- I mean, he plays a white guy in it, though. He plays yeah. a white Jewish 
old man. I mean, yeah, and Arsenio took a lot of roles too, but that's what's funny about it, um, is because you know it's them under the makeup. But what I wanted to say is that Kevin Hart, you know, uh, two Oscars ago, went through <laughs> all of the scandal and controversy. Well, he had gone through the scandal and controversy. They just brought it back up again, like, because he dealt with it, he said, in, like, 2012, 2016, mm-hmm. somewhere around that time. Yeah. And on Twitter, when Twitter was new and everybody was saying the N-word on Twitter on accident because they didn't know any better for some reason. But um, <laughs> in, two, in 2012? Yeah, when Twitter first came, a lot of scandals mm-hmm. with celebrities, including Kevin Hart, is because of Twitter and mm-hmm. because people will go back and find people's like first tweets. Right. And it was obviously when they were young, when social media was new, when no one really understood that everyone can read mm-hmm. what you say mm-hmm. and everyone can see it. And people, especially, I haven't, I have like four Twitter accounts mm-hmm. that I, like, don't remember the passwords to. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even... I mean, like, I'm pretty... I just retweet a lot of things, but I could have said something that I didn't even I'm say. I'm sure you did. Yeah. yeah. I'm, okay. sh- I'm sure I did, too. I... I When our dog died, I posted a picture of him dead on my bed on Twitter. Oh, my God. And posted on Twitter <gasps> saying, rip. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. I, I, and I can't delete it. <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's on, like, a really old account. Oh, my gosh. This is the thing. Well, okay. But, like, but every single, every, all the scandals, like, even the YouTubers that aren't important, people will just go on their first tweets, and one of them has said the N-word, or someone has said something homophobic, or someone has said Mm -hmm. something that's just slightly... Like slightly off (laughs) that that would have been funny in 2012, but isn't funny now, Mm -hmm. and like it's just that's that's how it ruins a lot of people. Is because people go back 10 years ago and they're like, well, this is the biggest problem. Uh, This is the thing I fear for your generation is that you guys really were are the social media guinea pigs Um, because I think somehow millennials kind of like kind of came in, I guess they were a little older, a little more, you know, the way they interacted was a little different, but you guys were young, parents weren't really so savvy to know to keep you guys off of these things yet, um, and certainly weren't monitoring it, and I'll just say, like, I was doing my best, but I didn't, I was not crushing it, (laughs) um, because I was also trying to allow you to be independent and have your own thoughts and, and all of that, but, but this is the thing, when you're young, you're trying to figure out your comedic boundaries you're trying to figure exactly. out you're you're pushing boundaries you're trying to figure out what's acceptable you're trying to figure out what gets a laugh what gets a reaction and you just don't have the common sense yet to know i shouldn't say this i shouldn't do that this isn't okay and you know these things that you so you might hear like you might hear comedians calling each other the n-word because they're black and you think oh well we're in this you know when you're a kid and you don't really understand the history of racism, <laughs> that was pretty much 2012 in a nutshell for you. Yeah. Then, uh, then, then it's problematic. I mean, uh, you know, so you know, kids now might hear something about like, oh, what is gay? It's different than me. Do people, you know? And they might make a joke about it because they're a little kid and they don't get it yet. Yeah. But what I think is interesting to bring it back to delirious is that, you know, the other thing is when you are. When everyone, when everyone is praising you and you are the hottest thing ever and you are, you can do no wrong. And I think you see this with YouTubers a lot and, yeah. and 
You have and, no boundaries. And social media stars. You have no boundaries because everyone's praising you for being so cutting edge and so hilarious and so all these things. So you keep doing it and you keep pushing the boundaries and you haven't really learned yet what those are. So it just takes saying one wrong thing and it's gone. Of course, in this case, because the 80s were, I believe, the most politically incorrect <laughs> decade in history, uh, he says all of the, Eddie Murphy says all of these offensive things and... Uh, People just left and then repeated them and yeah. then repeated them again and then rewatched the special and repeated them again. And then, and that is how you influence people. And that's how, you know, that's how you change society. And that's how I think, I think that's why you can see what's wrong with your parents today is that they grew up in that world. And you, and you know, when you see someone who's in their forties, I feel like people in their forties are, are more adaptable Oh, yeah. But when you're looking at people in their 60s, um, it's harder for them yeah. to change or understand that the world has changed or, you know, and, and therefore lies the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all I got. Uh, we are actually inspired by Delirious and the Ice Cream Man segment. And so during this coronavirus quarantine, we are planning tomorrow to go out and deliver uh, some ice cream by, you know, with masks and gloves and toss them to... And Lysol. And Lysol. And toss them to, uh, uh, you know, some some of uh, your brother's um, friends who are, you know, everybody's stuck at home. So we're going to kind of go door-to-door and be the ice cream man and send out little packages of love inspired by Eddie Murphy and the one non-offensive... <laughs> segment of Delirious. I hope you guys are inspired to do something good and you're staying healthy. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. Yeah, follow (laughs) us on social media at 80s Movie Guide and uh, check out our website. 80smovieguide.com. That's the one. (laughs) Bye.